The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel this morning is from St. John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 43, and can be found on page 1671 in your Pew Bible. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. And Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for the eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My God will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. Now the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little longer. While Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Now even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, 
He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. In both Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, they begin with the exact, the exact same words. These are the words, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. And we know that this coming Thursday, Monday Thursday, falls on April the 1st. And April the 1st has been known as April Fool's Day. And it also could be known as Atheist Day. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Happy Atheist Day. Of course, the atheists say the same thing about you and me. They believe that we, Christians, are the fools. In fact, they would go so far as to say, you don't just have one day, every day is fool's day for a Christian. And this is also biblical. For the Holy Spirit inspired uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 23, he writes this, and you've heard it before. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. And as you know, if the Holy Spirit is not at work in us, a lot of what Jesus says seems and sounds foolish. Let's consider the word glory, for example. Glory. When the world talks about glory, it looks for things like accumulation of wealth and power, the building up of status, the establishing a positive public image, and so forth. 
It looks for the ability to impress desires upon other people, to impress their wants on other people, the ability to give commands and have other people carry out those commands. That is the sort of thing that the world thinks about when the world thinks of glory. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, has an entirely different approach to glory. As Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem, he knew that the time would soon be fulfilled for him to pay the ultimate price, to rescue all of mankind. He told the disciples over and over again, that he would suffer many things at the hands of the Jewish authorities, that he would suffer and that he would die. And he knew that the time was at hand for all these things to happen. And even so, he said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, how exactly are appearing before a kangaroo court, no justice, how exactly is getting beat to a pulp, how exactly is dying on a cross in any way glorifying? But, that is what Jesus did. It's exactly what he did. To, to the world, that kind of action is not glory. It's foolishness. Then there is this statement of foolishness that he says, and you just heard, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... It remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Here Jesus states that he must die and that he must be buried like a seed before his church will grow. And the world tells us that it is hard enough to recruit followers when you are alive. It is most certainly impossible to do so after death. You could say the loyal followers might make you into a martyr, but everyone else would think you are a fool and maybe even pity you. You know, how foolish these words must have seemed to those who refused to believe. And then Jesus insisted that his followers should be just as foolish as he is. He said, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now the world knows for a fact that you have to look out for number one, right? If it's to be, it's up to me. You've got to take care of yourself first. You've got to love 
yourself first and foremost if you are to do anything with your life. That's what the world says. The world says, how can hating your life in this world lead to any kind of glory? This is foolishness. Jesus said, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. With these words, he told his followers that his death on the cross will bring all people to him. But the cross, the cross is a thing of shame, not fame. What kind of, what kind of marketing plan is that? Not a very strong one. What good can it do to have followers when you are dead? That isn't a plan. It's foolishness. From the world's point of view, the wise thing would have been to leverage that popularity that we're celebrating this morning, that popularity among the mob of people who waved palm branches as he entered Jerusalem in the temple. (laughs) Now there's a target audience. There's an opportunity, a power base, you could say. There is some political capital in that that could be spent. These people were excited. The world would tell us, and they would tell Jesus to build on that power base, to use those followers to exert power over the ruling authorities. They would say leverage those followers into a political machine that might take over the Jewish states, perhaps maybe even to challenge Caesar himself. Now, that is the kind of glory that the world can understand. Power, influence, ruling, lording over. And popularity can lead to influence, and influence can lead to the kind of glory that the world desires. Jesus, more than anyone else, knew exactly what the glory of the cross meant for him. In anticipation of these events, they'd already taken their toll on him. And he shared his thoughts with the people who had praised him and now listened to his teaching. He said, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. And Jesus is the perfect human being, and his impending suffering and death It bothered him. It bothered him as much as it would have bothered anyone. He knew. He knew what was about to happen. And it troubled. It troubled his soul. Now he could have backed out. He could have called on his father to rescue him. But that is not why he, the Son of God, had taken on human flesh. He had to. He had to 
to take our place because only he could, could fulfill the law. He came to live the perfect life that we could not live. He came to take God's wrath in our place. This was his purpose. This was the reason that he had taken on human flesh, and this was the reason that he entered Jerusalem to celebrate just one last Passover before his death. The glory of the cross would indeed be foolish if this world were all that there is. But you know that it isn't all that there is. And Jesus saw beyond the crucifixion to a new life. He saw the joy of heaven beyond the cross and the grave. He saw the glory of God that lay beyond the shame of the cross. He did know that a kangaroo court, a beating, and a cross awaited him. But he also knew that he would pass beyond these things and enter the glory of God. And he knew that when he was buried like a seed in the ground, that he would return to a new life. And that he would not only enter the glory of God, but he would bring us along with him. And through his death and burial, a living thing would grow from him. A living thing that is like a plant growing from a single seed. And that living thing is the holy Christian church, the community of all who believe in him. Take a look around at the seeds. Take a look around what came from his death. And all the teachings of the Bible, as you've heard me say, all of the teachings focus on Jesus Christ. The law shows us our need for Jesus Christ. The good works that the Bible encourages are only possible because Jesus Christ has freed us from the slavery of sin. And all the teachings of the Bible, every jot and tittle, depend on the glory of God as expressed in the shame on that cross. How ironic that we have an instrument of death on our wall. A shameful thing. And as we remember Jesus lifted up on the cross this week, we remember how he draws us to him. Again, the Holy Spirit inspired St. Paul to write Romans chapter 6, 3 and 4, and he says this, Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We were baptized into his death. That we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works through baptism 
to place in our hearts faith, a gift. And then it puts our feet on the way to the cross. Our faith allows us to, like Jesus, resolutely turn towards the cross and the glory that comes from it. So yes, today we prepare to enjoy a day for fools and pranks on Thursday, April 1st, if that's your thing. But every day is Fool's Day for those who believe in the foolishness of the cross. It is also a good day every day to remember the foolishness of that cross, the foolishness that saves us. And on this day, and every day of foolishness, we can remember the rest of the words that Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1.18, and Paul writes this, and I end with this. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In the name of Jesus, amen.